Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. My name is Sunny. I'm here with my host, Caleb. Hello. And of course, before we get too far in, we want to thank all of our wonderful sponsors. So a huge thank you, of course, to Gem Accessories for sponsoring the podcast. You can find a link down below with a discount code to their store for 10% off your first purchase. Also, we want to thank Millennium Threads. And of course, as always, we want to thank ETB Games as well as Steel Fox Games, who are in Alexandria and Shreveport, Louisiana, respectively. Now, of course, we also want to go ahead and direct you to our Dragon Shield affiliate link in the description down below. Just click it before you shop to get, uh, well, you don't get anything off, but it helps us. It, it gives us a little kickback. <laughs> um, and as far as the TCG Player affiliate link, don't worry about it for right now. Uh, we're just going to hold off. TCG Player is doing some really shady stuff. I don't know if Kate, I don't know if you saw this. No. They, like one of their biggest like union employees, they just fired today. Oh, they're union busting. Got it. Yeah, they're they have literally started union busting seemingly. Yeah. So uh we'll wait till we hear a little bit more about that before we start pushing that again. So we might yeah. back off the TCG player link. So but in the meantime, uh we do want to also remind you that if you are in the area, we will be at the Houston Regional. Well, in Houston, Texas, obviously. Yeah. Uh, this Saturday, March 18th at 10 a.m. So if you're going to be at the Houston Regional, be sure to come find us. Come say, hey, just don't interrupt us during a match or yeah. while I'm commentating on a live stream, please. Please, no. <laughs> so with that said, I'm joking. I'm not, I don't think anybody would do that, but... I don't know. Now I'm too deep into this to back out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but seriously though, if you do see us and we're not doing anything, please come up, say hey, we'll sign cards, whatever. Literally anything you want. Just nothing weird though. Nothing weird. But please do come say hi. Uh, we love meeting people. And also, if you can't make it, be sure to check out the live stream of the event. If you're interested in that, I am going to post a link in our on our Twitter page and in our Discord server, which you should definitely for sure join for updates like this, as well as getting advice on deck building or whatever else, general community where we talk about anime, video games, everything else. It's a getting larger every day. So yeah. be sure to join our Discord server if you haven't already. And with that said, let's go ahead and we have some new cards to talk about. And then after the new cards, if we have time, we will do a little bit of a Reddit recap. All right. So first things first, let's talk about some new Ursarctic and Drytron cards. So first off, we have, uh, well, it's either Celestial Polar Illuminite Beartron Alpha or Ultimate Knight Alpha Ursatron. Yeah. Or it's both. Anyway, level seven water machine special summon effect monster. Interesting. Uh, attack 2000, defense 700. This card is always treated as an Earth Arctic and Drytron card. Cannot be normal summoned or set. Must be special summoned by a card effect. You can only use the effect of this card's name once per turn. One, if you control an Earth Arctic or Drytron monster other than Ultimate Knight Alpha Ursatron, you can special summon this card from your hand. Then you can add one Earth Arctic or Drytron spell or trap from your deck to your hand. Yo. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. 
like surprisingly good actually <laughs> bro uh next up we have earth's arctic polar star so level one synchro water machine synchro level one synchro only earth's arctics right 700 attack 2000 defense cannot be synchro summoned must be special summoned from your extra deck by sending two monsters you control with a level difference of one to the graveyard a tuner and a non-tuner that's just synchro summoning with extra steps yeah but like this is always because uh, the reason this is why, the earth's arctic thing the reason why they have it word like that, that though is because whenever you do synchro summon it has to be additive not subtractive earth's arctic are subtractive correct synchro summoning. subtractive Yes, it's it's synchro summoning by it's 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 addition by subtraction. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But like you also like can't actively cannot synchro summon a level eight monster. I don't think because monster can't have a level, can't be level zero. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, you can't have a monster be level zero and then perform a synchro summon level one tuner. Perform a synchro summon because this thing's level one. It's level one synchro. Yeah, yeah, you can't actively synchro into it, but I think they also no. have like a two and a three and a four or something like they that. They probably do, which is actually doable. Hilarious. Yes. Uh, okay. One, you contribute a level eight Earth's Arctic monster from your hand or field and this card. Special summon a level seven Earth's Arctic synchro from your extra deck, ignoring its summoning conditions. And if you do, it gains this effect. Your opponent cannot activate the effects of monster special summon from the extra deck that have a level. It's actually really solid. Uh, especially because I think the level eight Ursartic special summon themselves if you control an Ursartic monster. So, you know, summon this dude, especially on the other one. Boom. Level um, one of the yep. big synchros. And your opponent can't activate special summon monsters with a from the extra deck with a level. So, fusions, synchros, and pendulums. So, what we heard was that you like floodgates. So, we printed a floodgate. Printed a floodgate for your floodgates. Wait, what did you say? I said you printed a floodgate. No, no, no before your... that. So you can't do what? Yeah, so you can't. So your opponent can't uh, activate the effects of monster special from the extra deck. So synchro, uh, fusion, and pendulum. Certain pendulums. Okay, I got you. Well, any pendulum special summon out of the extra deck. Yeah, so some pendulums, not all. I mean, like if you special if you pendulum summon them from your hand, you can still use them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like. All pendulums have the capability of being pendulum summoned from the extra deck. True. That's true. Ba basically, you got to actually. That's not. That's not true. That's not, really well, okay. No, no, no. It is true that they can all be special summoned from the extra deck. It is not true that all the one special summoned from the extra deck would apply to this. Why is that? Some pendulum monsters mm -hmm. are exceeds pendulum monsters. You've got a point. You have a point. He's got me. Got me on a technicality. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I love catching people on technicalities. All right, next we have some new Unchained cards. Destroy everything, even your own names. Uh, note, as a, as a note, the TCG naming scheme for these cards means the proper nouns are likely going to be removed, and we get something like Crimson Unchained Soul and Azure Unchained Soul. The likely intention is to avoid offending highly conservative members of the Hindi faith living in Western nations. Interesting. Oh, because I, I think all of them have like very, uh, like, I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to think of the, like they all have names from that faith of like angels and stuff, I think, maybe. I don't know. Really? I think. 
Like check, like check, check a like Unchained Abomination. Uh, I don't think Unchained Abomination is gonna be. I don't know. That's the only Unchained monster. It's the only Unchained monster's name I know. Uh. Okay, well, if I search Aruha, a city in India comes up, or an extremely small town in India, and then Unchained Twins Aruha. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What the dog doing? Yeah, what the, what them dogs doing? No, what's the name of the Unchained dog? Oh, uh, I mean, this one is uh Sharvara. No, I meant the like the original. Oh, Unchained. no idea. The only one I, the only Unchained monster's name I know is Abomination. Fair enough. Because I've actively used it. I haven't... Like, I know Unchained is a cool deck. I just haven't messed with it any. Yeah, I, I neither have I. So, I, I wouldn't really know. Uh, do you want me to start by reading this one? Yes, off? you okay. take the first one. Okay, first one we have is Unchained Soul Sharvara. Uh, which we might just get Crimson Unchained Soul instead. Uh, level 6 Fire Fiend Effect Monster, 2000 Attack, 1500 Defense can only see first and second effect of this card's name each uh, each once per turn. One, during the main phase, this card is in your hand. Quick effect, target a fiend monster or a set card you control, destroy, and if you do, special summon this card. And if you do that, you cannot special summon monsters while it is face up in the monster zone, except fiends. Two, if this card is sent to your graveyard, you can set an unchained spell trap directly from your deck. Note, this is Sharvara, one of the two hounds that serve King Yama, god of the underworld and Hindu and Buddhist beliefs. Okay, okay. all right. Okay, so there there we go. Yeah, I guess it's just these two. That's actually a pretty solid effect. Pop one on field, special. You're fiend locked. The whole deck is fiends as far as I'm aware. It is, yes. So who cares? And then if this guy gets popped, you just set a unchained spell trap. Seems pretty good. I don't know if the unchained spell traps are any good. Also, you can like... Also, I think some of the spell traps get effects if you pop them. The entire deck gets an effect if you pop it. Fair enough. And the, yeah, that's like the deck's whole thing, and this thing is getting effects by destroying your cards. Yeah, and this thing can all... So basically, if you open this in a spell trap, you can set it, the spell trap, and then activate its effect, pop the spell trap. Gotcha. And then get the spell trap effect off. All right. Because it says, or a set card you control. Yes. Dude, wh why do things in Hindu and Buddhist beliefs... Why are they the coolest looking things ever? I think it's just Unchained because the Unchained artwork is always nice. Yeah, but it's not just that, right? Because it's like, if you look at, um, like, what's the, what's the, I don't know if it's Buddhist or Hindu, um, the god that's got, like, uh, seven arms or eight arms or something? There's a handful. Can you be more specific? It's always got a bunch of curved swords. God, okay. of, God of like destruction or death or something. Okay, that could be Shiva. Shiva, that's what. That's the goddess. One. Goddess. She's yes. A go she's a goddess of death and destruction. Uh, wife to Vishnu, I think. Shiva always looks really cool. She does. Just, just always. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, she's the wife to Vishnu, I believe. She, she's the wife of the god of life creation and all that got it so she's the Hera of basically Hindu. yeah 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 close uh, enough anyway. yeah only the only thing came from your destroy destroying all of all the entire planet because that's her whole thing is destruction is her husband saying no 
<laughs> nope. All right. Next, we have Unchained Soul, Unchained Soul Shayama. Level 6 Water Fiend Effect Monster. 2,000 Attack. 1,500 Defense. This card is kind of a mirror of the of the last one. It's literally in, just a water version of the other one. Yeah, yeah, which is also mirrored in design and naming and everything else. Yeah. You can only use the first and second effect of this card's name each once per turn. One, you can target one card you control, destroy it. Then you can destroy one spell or trap card on the field. Two, if this card is in your graveyard, you can target one fiend monster or one set monster or one set card you control. Destroy it, and if you do special summon this card, but place it on the bottom of the deck when it leaves the field. Note, this is probably Shiyama, one of the two hounds that serve King Yama, god of the underworld in Hindu and Buddhist beliefs. So this is the other of the two hounds. And Oh, this makes a lot of sense now. Because yeah. they're, they're the two hounds that serve King Yama. It makes sense because the next card, Unchained Soul King Yama. Right. Okay. okay. All right. Link to Dark Fiend Link Effect Monster. I said Link like three times. Uh, attack 2000 links bottom left and bottom right you can only use the first and second effect of this card's name each once per turn one if this card is special summoned you can add an unchained monster from your deck or graveyard to your hand if it's special summoned not link summoned keep that in mind two if car if a card you control is destroyed by battle card effect while this card is in your graveyard banish this card special summon a fiend monster from your hand or graveyard then destroy one card you control and of course, it's named after Yama, Lord and Master of the Underworld in Buddhism and Hindi, and Hindi faith. Right. So, the fact that so if you pop him for something and then special summon him again, you get his effect off again. That is an interesting card design for the king. Or rather, you could if it wasn't a hard once per turn. But the card literally does not care how it's special summoned. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 very interesting. It's very unchained. It is, and f I would say these cards are very good for the Unchained archetype. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm just going to interject here before we move on. So before we, before the podcast started, my dad and I, or Caleb and I were having a conversation. Yeah. Because, like, for background music, we put on um, video game music. Yeah. And Helps you focus. That's what it's designed for. Exactly. And a Heart Gold Soul Silver Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver song came on, and, and you know Caleb was like, I was like, you know what game is this? And Caleb's like, ah, uh, you know, uh, Heart Gold Soul Silver, and he like was almost able to get the town. It was crazy. For fun, for reference, it was Azalea Town. I guessed Goldenrod, which is yeah, literally the next town after Azalea. Yeah, and I, and I literally said, ha, it's Azalea, idiot. <laughs> so this happens, and I'm like, man, I really want to play these games now. I wonder, like, I, I remember having all of the games and never getting rid of them, but I haven't seen them in a decade, right? Yeah. So I call my dad. He doesn't answer. And so I text him and I say, hey, when I moved out for college, do you remember, like, boxing and my stuff up? So basically what I said was, like, do, do you have any boxes of my stuff, like, in your attic? Yeah. You know, I had some stuff that I was looking for that I think I left at your house when I move out for college, but I'm not too sure. He said, he just said, maybe with a period because he's almost 70. Well, I said, if you find any, is there any chance you can bring it next time I see you? He says, what are you looking for? I say my old Nintendo DS and any games and any like my Wii and any games I yeah. have for it. And he said, I'll look and see, but I don't think so. I said, so I sent him a picture of the Nintendo DS 
and a picture of the games. And like, it would look like this. Yeah. Keeping in mind, again, he's almost 70. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he appreciates the extra help. Right. He said, haven't seen anything like that around in a while. And I said, I mean, I moved out of your house nearly a decade ago. So if you cleaned out my room not too long after that, it's still a long time. Because I never moved back in. After I moved out yeah. from college, I never moved back in with my dad. Because, uh, well, for a bunch of reasons. But it just, it never happened. Yeah. So as a result, I never really, like, took when, time to, like, clean out my own room. I just I just moved out, left everything there. And then as, as I never moved back in, he just kind of kept it either packed everything up and moved on he turned it into an extra guest bedroom you know because like yeah. you know a twin bed you know i can put a queen in there and have like guests you know if people come up for evacuating for hurricanes or whatever yeah they have a place to stay rather than just a useless room that's gathering dust so yeah but the point is what happened to all that stuff did he throw it out did possibly. he do the boomer conservative dad thing and just throw all my stuff away? Very possibly. It's possible, but I, I, here's the thing. My dad, that's if there's one thing he understands, it's that you never get rid of old electronics. Ever. Even if it's old and busted, never get rid of an old electronic because you never know when it's going to be useful. Like old CRT TVs that are now worth money. Honestly, dude, that's so crazy to me. I, we threw out so many of those when I was like growing up just because it was like, oh, we finally got a flat screen. Throw that piece of junk away. So, listen, the I'll, I've only ever had one CRT. Really? Do you, re you remember? It was like that little one with the handle and the broken VCR. I don't remember that. Oh, surprising. I had that thing with me from when I was like five. No, 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 no. By the time I met you, you had a three monitor setup. No, 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 no. I had two TVs and a monitor. You functionally use them all as monitors. Um, okay, so and I okay, so that TV, that CRT, was in the closet. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I never used it because it was a CRT. I was like, I'll hold on to it. And I had the thing since I was like six. Mm -hmm. And when I moved out, I told my mom, "Hey, hold on to this. I might need it later." She threw it out. She threw it out because it's a, it's an ancient CRT where the VCR sure. doesn't work in. It was like one of the ones where you had the VCR as part of the TV that didn't the VCR didn't work anymore. Sure. And she told me I was like, I'm a little disappointed, but I understand. Right, right. So I didn't have space for it at my new place, so whatever. I, yeah, sure. And then like five or six years later, you looked them up and they were like eight hundred dollars. Uh, no, they're about a hundred and thirty. I wonder what like a like a big CRTV is worth. The CRTV TV that people want when I started looking for looking at CRTs. Was like a Samsung 30 inch, I think. That was a thing. Yeah, it was from. Uh, yeah, it was really. It was released in like 2004. Okay, this is so off topic, and we're getting so far out. But at this we point, are. we only have like two new cards. I think literally a card and a half left to talk about yeah. for new cards, and then we can go move on into our Reddit recap. But yeah. why is it that CRTs? are considered the standard for Super Smash Brothers Melee and various other old video games, sure, but, so, like, really for Melee, if we're being honest here. Okay, so have you ever were like, man, I really want to play this old game I played when I was a kid, and you boot it up, and you're like, man, it looks way worse than I remember it looking. 
Yeah. It's because it does. If you played it on a flat screen or a monitor, it looks awful because um there because old CRT TVs, uh, which is cathode ray tube, sure, which shot light at a screen, and that's where you got your color from, right? Sure. There was some blurriness to that because mm-hmm. the light would scatter a little bit. Sure. So all old video games were built with that with the fact that the pixels were going to get scattered in okay. mind. So that's so you can especially see that in Super Mario RPG, where sprites don't even or just like lines. You can still like make out like Princess Peach. Wait, Super Mario RPG? Yeah, on the Super Nintendo. Okay. Super Mario RPG. I'm just gonna believe you. Sure. Okay. I, I thought you were saying like the Super Mario RPG. No, there like was you a... were talking about like Super Mario 64, and you said it the weirdest way ever. No, there was Super Mario RPG: Legend of the Seven Stars, I believe. Anyway, anyway, so um, so basically, so basically, now they're not being scattered anymore. You can see like in between the pixels where they left room for that blur to kind of like fill it in fill it in and it provided uh shading without them needing to actually sit down and do shading you can even see this in the original uh sonic the hedgehog game with the uh water graph with the waterfall graphics okay so no longer function right the graphics generally look better on crt on crt tvs correct because they were designed with the crtv in mind sure so why then Mm mm-hmm let, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Why, then, is the CRT the standard specifically for fighting games? So, it depends on the fighting game. From I, I, I know as far as Super Smash Brothers and Super Smash Brothers Melee, it is because of that reason that it just looks better. No. Um, no, absolutely not. That can't be the only reason is that it just looks prettier. Well, no, because it looks better, it means you can see more clearly what you're doing. So, for instance, if you're playing, uh, so like if you're trying to wave dash in Super Smash Brothers Melee, mm-hmm. you kind of need to see what you're doing to wave dash properly. Okay. That's it, that was my understanding. That's, that's crazy. That's my understanding. That's crazy. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's circle back around. Back to Yu-Gi-Oh. Right. Uh, okay. So, stake your soul. Next, we have stake your soul, which is a normal spell card. You can activate. This is from Deck Build Pack Wild Survivors. The other two are from Duelist Nexus. This is yeah. from Deck Build Pack Wild Survivors. You can only activate a card with this card's name once per turn. One reveal one monster in your hand. Special on one vanquished soul monster from your deck with a different name but the same attribute but return it to the owner's hand during the end phase. That is really interesting. Bro, reveal raw sphere mode. Search for literally any of them, because none of them are divine. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> but you're also t- showing your opponent you have raw sphere mode. Yeah, but I mean, like... If you're... Go- the funny thing is, if you're going second and you lead with that... And then you sphere mode them. Like, what are they going to do about it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tribute like, off their own monster. Sure, you're solving my problem for me. Yeah, exactly. If you reveal the, if you just activate this, reveal the sphere mode, search whatever you want, then they have to make that decision of do I? I have three. Mo- I have exactly three monsters on board. Do I get? Do I out one of my own monsters? No, no. Surely not, well, right? 
or do I let them sphere mode me and I lose all three? Yeah. Okay. Next, we have a new V jump promo. Woo! This is a really cool V jump promo. <laughs> I love it so much. It's it's something, all right. <laughs> the name of the card is Killer Potato. Probably to be localized as Mystic Potato. Yep, as it's in a, Mystic Tomato, but a potato. A, it's a card that builds slash expands your field. It is recommended to be used with Mystic Tomato. It I is the third V-Jump promo celebrating the upcoming 25th anniversary. Its effect will be revealed April 7th, 2023. Good. No. So, like, you know, to describe this thing, you imagine the OCG artwork for Mystic Tomato. Now put that face on a potato. It's really something. I'm going to be honest. It's it's quite something. Uh, there's one other bit of news that I want to cover before we get into our little Reddit recap. Uh, yeah. This is something that's really interesting. They just straight up gave the OCG players the exact date that they were going to give them a ban list. Yeah. So did you hear about why this happened? No, I don't know why it happened, but I know it happened. So the OCG players are used, they are very used to getting their ban lists on a pretty regular schedule. Mm -hmm. But on the day that they were all kind of expecting it to come, it didn't come. Oh no. And they killed the Konami site. They mass refreshed the Konami site so much that it was causing the site to go down. Waiting for the ban list to update. And so they finally said, hey. Stop it. It's not going to be here until this day at this time. Boy. So here's what I'm asking all of you to do. <laughs> On that day that their ban list takes effect. So they're just refresh the page. <laughs> On April 1st. The day that their ban list takes effect, we're doing an April Fool's Day prank on Konami. Everybody in this Yu-Gi-Oh! community of ours. Go to the go at noon Central Standard Time, 6 p.m. London time. Go to the Konami website and mass refresh until the website crashes. (laughs) That's what I want from you. Give the website don't, the hug of death. D- don't actually do that. Do that. No, don't. Because, yes. Because that that's I think that's illegal telling people to do that. No, surely not. So we je- we say this in jest just in case. It's not actually going to like permanently kill the site. It'll just crash it for a few moments. It's, it's still a lot of money that they're losing out for those few no, moments. No, it's not. They don't even sell products on their website. What are they going to... What do they lose? Bro, it's a corporation. What do you expect? Or They don't lose anything except maybe being pressured into actually having to give us a day <laughs> for our ban list because we no longer have even a no sooner than date. I mean, if fair. they want us to not do things like this, give us at least a no sooner than date. It is, it is compl- a completely reasonable expectation from us as players to have some general idea of when we're getting a ban list. And then, if you don't want us spamming the Konami and poor, the, the poor Yu-Gi-Oh! employee that runs their Twitter account, then give us an actual date. 
It's, just, it's so easy. It's like they thought that removing the no sooner than date was just going to fix the issue of people begging for a ban list. It made it worse. Okay. J I'm just, sorry. I got on my soapbox. Cool. I got on my soapbox. I'm sorry. Just for a little COA, all of that was said in jest. We're joking. I'm not. JK. I'm not. I'm going on Twitter with this. Okay. I might get banned, but I'm... We should do that. If it works, we should do it. And it clearly works. They crashed the website, and as a result, Konami was like, no, 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 it's okay. Little pat on the head, OCG player. We give you exact date. I've made Caleb mad. He doesn't want me to do this. Anyway, have you... Okay, so we're, okay, so here's what we're going to do. There's, there is... There is the Yu-Gi-Oh! subreddit r slash Yu-Gi-Oh! Now, r slash Yu-Gi-Oh! has some really cool stuff. It do. It also has a bunch of really uninteresting garbage. I mean, that's every subreddit. Just as every subreddit does. Exactly. So with that said, we thought that we would take a little bit of time to go through and review some posts that we thought were interesting in r slash Yu-Gi-Oh! We have a few of them pulled up. We are, we will definitely have time for a couple of them. We might not have time for a couple of them because some of them are paragraphs. Yeah. Bro. Paragraphs. With paragraph long answers. It's insane. Typical Reddit. Good para paragraph long answers too. That all say the same thing over and over. But anyway, typical Reddit. Okay. So first post by you slash the MDC one. Have you ever wondered how the card creating process goes? I've always been very curious about how Konami does the process of creating a new card or archetype. I wonder if the cards that are released now have been created months or years in advance or how many concepts or cards that's never seen the light of day. I imagine they play test with these cards decks before public release, though judging by some past formats, maybe not. I hope we can see this side of Yu-Gi-Oh someday. What do you think? Okay, so my general understanding of this is that Konami, it, okay, so I know Wizards of the Coast design principle because Wizards of the Coast employees get a lot more free reign on what they're allowed to say, yeah. when they're allowed to do interviews and things like that. Yeah. Generally, the design process for cards for Magic is anywhere from like 15 months to two years. Give or take. Right. So like a year and a quarter to two years, depending on like their time frame and what they're trying to do. So with Yu-Gi-Oh, I would imagine that the time frame on card design is somewhat similar. And I'm just going to say that I think my understanding is that the OCG and the TCG do coordinate and work together to design everything, including exclusives. Yes. I don't think that the TCG gets free reign on pretty much anything. Just like I don't think the OCG gets necessarily free reign on anything, but I do think that the executives on the OCG side do get final say on most things. Yeah. With that said, I do personally believe that the... I'll say that... I, To me, I think that a lot of the design choices that are made are made fairly intentionally 
But with that said, there are some things that they're just not going to come up with in the design process. Yeah, and that's how you get weird, weird combos and things that just probably shouldn't work but do for some reason. So I'll say something like the Scythe Lock from around this time last year, where you have a Phantom Knights deck that is making Verte Anaconda to make DPE and making Artifact Dagda to make to set Artifact Scythe and using DPE to pop Scythe. That was probably something that was discovered in the design process. And they said, this could be an issue, but realistically, honestly, they would have to find it. Honestly, you know what I think. You know what I think it was. I think they 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 went. Yeah, they can anaconda into it. Whatever. They're they're making what and doing what with it now. What? <laughs> I, I think they were not expecting people to then use Dagda to pop scythe to set scythe. I I don't to know break that it from the deck. I, I feel like they definitely con- conceived that. Now, what I don't they, think they ever conceived was the uh, what's it called the pile deck based oh, how do you how do you conceive the, of the rose dragon adventure synchro magician souls pile deck yeah i don't think they had any clue that that was coming yeah how do you how 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 would how would someone in konami come up with that without being just absolutely six-headed not five-headed six-headed right five steps ahead of the player base yeah, personally, I think that the I think that there's a ton of Okay. I was I worked in QA for a video game, mm-hmm. right? I worked in quality assurance. I was a I was a tester for the Madden video game. I worked for a year for EA games and it I would assume that Konami's design process is somewhat similar to the process that they go through with Madden, right? They have they have these time frames these goals and they have everything planned out two to three years in advance yeah they know generally how everything's going to go the only thing that they have to react to quickly is the ban list the ban list is the only time that konami is reacting instead of being proactive to be fair right? to be fair they it's i think the i in my opinion the ban list is like half proactive half reactive in a way, I don't think that they pre-hit things, but I think that they are reacting to things that they see, okay, well, this is a problem now. It's going to be a problem again in the future. I think that that's why they hit Artifact Scythe on this most recent list. It's yeah. not because it was a problem at the moment, but I think that as soon as they hit the Ishizu tier deck, the next best deck is whatever deck is Scythe locking. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, that's what I mean by proactive is that right. Was I see. Right. Yeah, they were. They were like, yeah, that like they'll make the reactive hits and then go, okay, how will the player base respond? They'll respond in this way, which isn't good. Right. And they'll right. proactively hit stuff before it becomes a problem again. Today's episode is brought to you by Gem Accessories. Gem Accessories is one of the leading accessory manufacturers within the trading card game space. Known for their deck boxes, Gem also has an amazing lineup of binders backpacks and more some of our personal favorites include the new klrz icons deck boxes the secrets binder and the jaguar and puma backpacks 
But don't just take it from us, check out some of these reviews on screen. For all of these amazing products and more, be sure to check out Gem Accessories using the link in the description down below or on Twitter at xgemaccessories. Again, the description down below or on Twitter at xgemaccessories. So my next point though that I wanna make sure that people know is Konami can't test everything. Of course they not. can't do it. They they might have a team of even if it's a hundred people, which it's not. It's not a hundred people. It's just say it's even if it is a we'll just say ten, because ten is probably a pretty closer. reasonable size for I would say that it's actually probably somewhere in the middle. It's probably somewhere around thirty, but yeah. Let's just say ten for easy math. And all they do is design and test new Yu-Gi-Oh cards. If they spend 40 hours a week, every week for the year, working and designing one new archetype, mm -hmm. over 10 people's years, you're looking over 20,000 hours put into 10 people working on one archetype for one year at 40 hours a week. That's over 20,000 hours. They're not going to think of every single possible in, card combination. If they put in that 20,000 hours in one year, within five hours of that archetype being announced, mm -hmm. I promise you, there will be more hours of playtesting put into that archetype within the first five hours of the card's announcement than they were able to put in in a year of development. I look, promise. Because listen, listen. If only five, let's say only, ten, let's say only a thousand people sit down. That's already five thousand hours of playtesting immediately. Within, yeah. Which is, I mean, just R slash Yu Gi Oh of R their time. Right. R slash Yu Gi Oh is three hundred and seventy five thousand members, and that's the overlap of people that both play Yu Gi Oh and are on Reddit which is not huge slices on yeah. the pie chart. So it's not unreasonable to believe that 10,000 people, as soon as an R-Type release, it starts playtesting this art, start playtesting it, which puts them at 50,000 hours in five, five hours later. Yeah, I, I don't think it's completely unreasonable to say that in, in the first 24 hours, the the player base puts far more hours into playtesting. They always told us that when I was working on Madden. It, in the first day that the game releases there will be more hours played than the entire life cycle of the development team combined yeah the entire life cycle of the product of the development team of that product and everybody's efforts on that product combined there will be more hours put in in the first day and then there's just so many cards there's no way that they're going to catch every single little weird weirdo interaction exactly when you have a game with 10,000 cards, that's like, I'll tell you, I'll give you the perfect example of the card that they never saw coming. They never in their wildest dreams would have imagined that they would have had to ban it. Smoker Grenade of the Thief. Yeah, yeah. That, that card, they never would have even conceived that Smoke Grenade was going to have to be banned. Yeah, and then by and then like I'm pretty sure like by the time that they had produced the Infernoble Knights... The that was the deck that was abusing it, correct? Yes. Yeah. The group who was around when Smoke Grenade the Thief was 
even in the mental zeitgeist of the of the creation team, which was probably the people around when Gear Feed Warrior existed in what, 2006? Four. 2004. They're not around anymore. Maybe earlier. So that card probably wasn't even in their mind. They, they probably went, oh, well, I wonder what all the equip spells are. Do, 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 do. These are all garbage. No one cares. Let's make some good ones. And on, like, Smoker Day and all the Thief of oh, the Thief was on page like 15. If you sort of alphabetically, it might have been. I. I do say, I do think that there are people that were on the original design team that are actually still there. Very possibly. We don't know. We don't know who I, they are. No, I, I think that what the head of R&D for Konami... Same guy? ...has been Kevin Tewert for, like, close to 20 years. Fair enough. Well, there's no way that he could have foreseen Smoker Day and the Thief, because how do you predict a card that you haven't even heard of, that hasn't even been thought about in 16 years? Knowing Kevin Tewert? Probably Clown Gas. Anyway. Probably. You don't get that reference, I don't think, do you? Nope. Anybody that wants to just get a great... great, You know what? I'm just going to leave that alone. Yeah, just leave it alone. You can Google it if you want, though. It's great. All right. Next we have... Why do TCG archetypes suck so badly these days? Nowadays, we get a filler deck like Time Thief or Dream Mirror. Like I say before, I'm not even excited for TCG archetypes anymore. It's been a whole combo of slaps to the face since danger. I didn't catch that the first time I read this. A combo of slaps to the face. Plunder was the best one for the past four years, and even so, it's still too balanced. B Trooper was so close to breaking the chain and failed since Konami sabotaged it. Libermancer is the same thing, and that's only good due to bringing, due to putting in a better ritual archetype. Like seriously, it has to be some kind, some inside joke or something. Probably just pack filler they gave off to slughead interns to meme with. I mean, maybe. I don't know that TCG exclusive archetypes have been like that bad, right? Surely. I mean, didn't Plunder top recently? Yeah, I got top eight at the YCS over the weekend. Yeah, there you go. But like, but I mean, also with Libermancer, that deck would not exist. Like the ritual base deck does not exist without them. True. Which people really aren't talking about that much. Uh, I think. Well, the deck would probably still exist, just be nowhere near as capable of doing anything. Yeah. With a lot of dead ends. Okay, so Photon Hypernova TCG exclusive archetype was Gold Pride, which sucked. Yeah, it's cool. It's bad. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know that there was a TCG exclusive archetype from Darkwing Blast. I don't think so either. I think it was just support for old cards. I don't know if the ninja stuff is TCG exclusive. No. Potentially? Well, maybe. It might, it, it, maybe, potentially, and it's good. There was Goaty support. Which is a TCG only archetype, which is bad. Yeah, because the, Lots the, of potential the, there, arc, though. the set before Dimension Force was... I want to say that was the set that introduced Goatee. Yeah. The thing about that deck, though, is that it does have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. It... But, I mean... 
Will it ever come to fruition? We'll never know. Probably not. Let's I mean, be honest here. I mean, when tenues were printed, people thought that they were never going to be worth anything. That's true. They thought, oh, this is bad archetype. It's never going to get played or ever do anything ever. Here it is. Half of half of one of the... Wait, you said tenny? Yeah. No, Tennies were good early. Oh, no, what am I thinking of? Yang Zing. Everybody thought Yang Zing was going to be really good. It just wasn't. Yeah. Because they all missed the timing. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, never worth playing again. Here we are now. Yeah, three of their synchros are crazy. One one of them's banned, though, to be fair. That's true. Four of their synchros are crazy. But the fourth one that's banned is crazy in decks that don't even care, that, that aren't even, you know, worm-related. True. It's just a generically good card. Right. Like Baron, if you can make it. All right, next. Multiple questions about the meta master duel ban list luck versus skill. Whew. All right, this one's long, so buckle up. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then after I read the whole thing, it will go through and break it down. Well, okay. I was going to say, why don't we just go down piece by piece? Okay. Hi, everyone. Hi. First, a bit of background. I've been playing CCG's collectible card games since 1995, starting with Magic the Gathering, then many other games such as Netrunner the First, Legend of the Five Rings, Highlander, Legend and Versus System. Rings. Wow. Yeah. About 10 years ago, I found a group of friends who I a group of friends who also enjoyed board games and we started playing quite a bit. Small World, Seven Wonders, Race for the Galaxy, Terra Mystica, Smash Up, Puzzle Strike, Aeon's End, Citadels, and Choreo. Since then, I have continued playing board and card games such as Marvel Champions, for instance, and online CCGs, Runeterra, Hearthstone, Marvel Snap. My daughter is getting older, 8 years old, and is starting to play more complicated card games with me, such as Smash Up Dice Throne, for instance. As such, I was looking at other TCGs recently, such as Digimon. I thought about Yu-Gi-Oh! and that maybe that would be a game we could be playing together. So, in a nutshell, I am looking for a game that I could play with her, but also with depth, I tend to like thinky decks of, of a more controly or comboish nature. If I want to play more competitively and ideally, that I can be played online as well, given that I don't have much time to go to local game stores and play, at least not on a regular basis. So I'm here with a few questions. One, how is Yu-Gi-Oh doing, notably in Europe, and also in terms of competitive scene? I don't know how Yu-Gi-Oh is doing in Europe specifically, but I know here in America, it's it's fine, right? It's not it's not doing super great, I would say, as far as attendance. Like attendance numbers are up, yes, but attendance numbers are bound to be up because people are coming back after COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got a lot of people who just who like were in the game, left, and then during COVID, got you know were sitting around like. Man, I remember Yu-Gi-Oh! And got back in the game. Correct. So, to me personally, I I think that Yu-Gi-Oh! is... I don't know. It's definitely still like a top-tier game. It's still one of the big three. For sure. For sure. So, I'll say personally that Yu-Gi-Oh! is doing fine. It's and the competitive scene is great. Mm -hmm. The competitive scene is always a, a pleasure. But 
it's got its flaws just like all games do. Of course. Ooh boy, does it have flaws. Is the metagame interesting and varied on average? I reckon it varies from one extension to the next, but still, notably are there various deck styles that are playable like control, combo, and aggro. So, I don't think Yu-Gi-Oh really has a cons- really has a concept of an aggro deck. We have mid-range, which is about I think is probably about as close as we can do as we can get. No, they definitely have an aggro deck. What would that be? Warrock. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me Warrock is not the definition of an aggro deck. It is not the definition of an aggro deck. It literally is. It's not. It wants to build advantage through combat. So the way aggro decks work is another another term for aggro decks are weenie decks, where it's like so like oh it, like goblins like goblins from Magic the Gathering, where it's like cool my I go first, play a land, tap goblin pass next turn play a land tap tap goblin goblin and right. now you and now i'm swinging with three monsters on turn two three okay. creatures on turn two i see that's saying. an aggro deck it's just you're just putting stuff real cheap real low low value monsters on board creatures on board and you're swinging wide with them and you're okay. hoping to beat your opponent before Through sheer overwhelming numbers before they have an opportunity to really if the comp before the combo players can really get their combo going and before uh Control has a chance to set up the things they need to control the game state. Okay. Okay. And so, and even then, you also force control players to make really bad trades with like, I'm going to summon this. I'm going to pay one summon this, summon this one one goblin. Un- pay two for unsummon. Cool. Pay one resummon the goblin again. Right. I see. I would say the metagame is very interesting and, and varied. But not, and there are lots of different deck styles that do lots of different things. Right. But it's all about how you view it, right? Because if you just look at it and say, okay, well, this deck summons a bunch of monsters every turn. So it's a combo deck. But they're not all combo decks, right? Because Mm -hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh's variation is not based on aggro, combo, control, whatever. It's based on the actual individual archetypes. Right. So a great example is you have the plunder patrol archetype right Mm -hmm. plunder patrols are all based there basically think of it as every archetype has a shtick plunder patrols shtick is that they have a boat for each typing and that they can tag into those boats as needed based on what typing Mm -hmm. you have on the field think of tri brigade shtick as link summoning from the graveyard think of unchained shtick getting advantage by destroying your own cards yeah, or um, Sword Soul's whole shtick is su- synchro summoning using tuner tokens. Correct. So I think that if you really consider that every archetype has its own shtick, is that there's so many different ways. Now, there are definitely three distinct play styles of decks as far as not just within the archetypes themselves, but also the way that an archetype plays, you do have a combo variant, mm-hmm. which I would call more along like the dry Tron combo line or yeah. fluffle where it's very, very high combo. Yeah. 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 Where it's like summon this, that summons that those two go together to make this, who the summons and that. It, it and just that. goes on forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And actually, wasn't there at one point a deck that could literally, that had a combo that could literally go on forever. Cause it would just reset itself. So there's a couple of decks offhand that I can think of like that. Ritual Beasts had that reputation back in the day. 
the original Gishki deck could do that. And also... God, it was something Minogus and rip a card out of your hand. And if you're talking about... I think it was actually a deck out combo. Yeah. It, like, I actually think it was a deck out combo. Not then again. there was... There is actually an Edison format. There's a frog deck. That is a frog combo deck that literally at, playing at a reasonable pace to do to do an opening turn combo is 25 to 30 minutes. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So combo. Definitely not, a thing. Yeah. But not what not really not really what we think of now when we say combo. Right. Yeah. In magic. See, I think the the difference is that in in what we would call combo in Yu-Gi-Oh is not what they would call combo in magic because combo in magic to me is when you want to go infinite, right? When you want to go do this insane thing and you're trying to get to that combo quickly in oh, yeah. say four turns. Whereas Yu-Gi-Oh combo is maybe setting up an unbreakable board. Like, Oh, I have my combo, but it's like a two card combo that is like extremely consistent and yeah, maybe and it sets up out- an okay board. Yeah. It puts out like a bunch of negates and stuff. To be fair, I actually knew a dude who, who whose entire shtick was he would just draw, mountain, pass. Draw, mountain, tap those two, play a specific artifact, mm-hmm. pass. And he would just sit there. And finally, and after turn four, exactly turn four and beyond, if you swung into him, he'd go, okay, cool, you're dead now. Yeah. And just start tapping stuff. And his deck would just do, 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 do. And then you'd be dead literally and then all those resources got reset and he just go okay yeah at any point so these were in chaos games where it was like more than one player like commander some kind of kind of but like with normal decks okay and like he literally so like he at that point he could literally if he wanted to just sit there and keep going and reduce every player's life to zero right but he only did it with people who attacked him yeah, I would think that control would be something along the lines of Eldritch, Labyrinth, things mm-hmm. like that. Notably, lots of trap cards, controlling the game state, yeah. slowing down the pace. Trap cards, floodgates. Sure, sure. Hand traps. And the third deck typing that you have in Yu-Gi-Oh! is called mid-range, where it's more along the lines of something like Tri-Brigade originally was, Sword Soul, where you set up a more of an unassuming end board. But then even if it gets broken, you just go shrug and just set it up again. Right, right. You're, so the the strategy in a combo deck is to set up an unbreakable board. If you break it, though, they out of gas. Right. Whereas a strategy with mid-range is to set up a much less impactful board. But your goal is to disrupt your... Always have follow-through in hand and disrupt your opponent enough to where you can reasonably answer their like they even if they break your board you 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 live you live and win the game on the next turn a great deck great example deck example i think for that is actually marincess in my experience yeah sure marincess is absolutely a good mid-range deck it's a very unassuming board yeah because like because you would put out a board of if you went super crazy you'd have like an uh, an an argonaut with like three equips on it so she's big and you have to attack her sure and she and I can't remember if she can't be targeted or she can't be destroyed or something. I don't fully remember. But it's targeted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she was hard to remove and you had to attack her. Plus, you also had a, Craig, a Stealth Kragen and sometimes a Stealth Kragen, a Bahamut Shark, 
No, no, you wouldn't have Bahamut. You'd use him. Uh, but you'd have Toad and sometimes Stealth Kragen. Yeah, but it, it overall, I think it really did. It was a very good example of a of a mid range deck for sure. Yeah, because they outed the Ar the Argonaut, the equips that you would send would then just all have their effects fire off, and you just replace cards in your hand, and yeah. you just grab some of your resources back just to do the same play again. Yep. Number three. I understand there is no rotation in Yu-Gi-Oh, but recurring ban and limited lists. Hence, my understanding is that all cards ever published are playable except the banned ones. How does the how does the bans impact the metagame and the price of cards? Also, how is power creep? Do do cards remain playable over the years, or are they quickly superseded? I guess some amount of power creep is inevitable, but the question is the amount. So, breaking this down, uh, how do the bans impact the metagame and price of the cards? So, the bans are effectively a tool to sell more cards the ban list is <laughs> at its very core a tool right it doesn't just balance the game but it also forces the sale of product so that you can get the new things and play the new stuff because Correct. you're the ban list has forced your deck to be into obsol obsolescence mm -hmm. with that said i would say though that the ban list does a pretty good job of maintaining the balance of the game in a way that is usually fair there will always be power creep and there will always be there will always be a tier zero format at some point yeah. yes we just it's, left a tier zero yeah, format. it's gonna happen and when it happens you just gotta kind of go this right. sucks but i think that lots of card games have that and oh, absolutely the idea of no set rotation is daunting at first but once you get into the swing of things and once you really understand the cards and all the different things, it realize, really like, can be not as bad as you think. Yeah, because you can ignore like 90% of the cards. Literally. Because Literally. Like 90, because like, well, I, I, I don't remember the statistic, but like a good chunk of them are vanillas, which don't matter. Sure. Which never matter. The only decks that ever, that have ever mattered with vanillas is exactly Sioux ships. That's not true. It's just blatantly false like as i was saying it i was like no you idiot dino rabbit also gem knight garnet was a vanilla was played a vanilla. in tons of decks yeah. but to be fair he was not played because he was a vanilla he was played because he was the biggest beat stick of the gem knights my point stands yeah yeah your, your point still stands but it's literally gem knight gem knight garnet dino rabbit with saber source and cabazal and sue ships because Heck yeah, Sioux Ships. Sioux Ships is the fourth best of these, and there is still another deck you're forgetting. What's that? Phantasm Spiral. Phantasm Spiral. Oh! I forgot that deck existed. See? Still better just, than Sioux Ships. Yeah, you can just ignore 90% of the cards in the game. Yeah. There's entire decks and archetypes that you can just ignore. Anyway. Uh, as far as the prices, I actually think that... And <laughs> I'm going to get blamed for saying this. All right. I think that Yu-Gi-Oh! has... Probably the most aggressive reprint strategy of all of the major card games. Far more aggressive than Magic the Gathering. And I mean, far more aggressive. And on top of that, card prices generally do nothing but go down over time unless it has collector's value. Yeah, pretty much. Which is like the super high rarity stuff. And it, that super high rarity stuff is either unplayable garbage that's just expensive for the collector's value. Or... It has a cheaper version. Exactly. Almost always. There's there are cards that are just 
the best examples of themselves that are all still expensive but there is an absolutely an effort to make the game more affordable at every level and i hugely respect that from konami i mean mm-hmm. you don't need to play the extremely expensive cashier deck to be competitive right now you can play marincess which is a very unassuming deck that topped the most recent ycs mm-hmm. and it's you that play. you can build that whole deck for 20 bucks yep right? i did i i factually did Right. I mean, at the time you couldn't because toads are like twenty bucks for the gold rare. At the time, I don't know how much totally awesome is now. I might have lied. You might not be able to build the entire deck for twenty bucks. I thought didn't Toad get banned? No, and well, it didn't master duel. Okay. See, now I'm getting my my ban list mixed up, which is also a problem. Yeah, you can get Toads for a dollar. It was reprinted yeah. in Magnificent Mavens. You can get an Ultra Rare for two dollars. Yeah, yeah. You can literally get this entire deck, and this is not an exaggeration or a joke, for like three dollars. Anyway, no, no, I think it's closer to. Or I, I'm gonna say thirty dollars. Yeah, I yeah. I oh yeah, you know, like minus Staples. Yeah. How is the Power is Creep? Like I said, I feel like we talked about this, All right. but it, it's it's pretty rough, but. It's you have to remember again. This is a card game with the most aggressive reprint strategy of all of them, and it's just the card pool is unlimited. You know? Yeah. Um. Like another like another issue though is that like the power creep also has this weird yo-yoing roller coaster effect. It does because where like you can feel that power could go up, 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 up. It'll hit the peak and then whoosh, just hit. Get a not you get a big ban list and just. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So you just feel that rush of go- of coming into power creep, and then just that feeling it wear off. It's yeah, wild sometimes. Do cards remain playable over the years, or are they quickly superseded? I would say that you usually get if you buy the hot new hotness as soon as it comes out. You usually get like six months out of it. I was gonna say before it gets touched. If it gets touched, now you can build the third best deck in the room, and it'll never get hit. Yeah, I did that with Sword Soul on accident, thinking I was yeah. building the best deck, but not the so. Point. I for this, I would say yes and no, because yes, cards will stay relevant for a long, long time. No, because the vast majority of them will just be power crept out and never see the light of day again. But then you never know when all of a sudden this one random card from two thousand four is busted. Great example, Smoke Grenade of the Thief. Yeah, a uh, resonating yeah. insect. Yeah, resonance insect. Yeah, yeah resonance insect. Um. Trying to think, I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, compulsory evacuation device. It's a good card now. It's a bit more niche, but sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Book of Eclipse is a better example. Book of Eclipse is a fantastic Book of Moon, same thing. It, it just comes in and out randomly. Yeah. Love goal. In terms yeah. of depth and complexity compared to similar games, how would you rate Yu-Gi-Oh? 10 out of 10, it is the most complex of any competitive card game. There's, it's not even close. I. It's not even a discussion. It is 10 out of 10. Head over heels, more complex than all of them on the surface. I would put an asterisk next to that, however. There is a technical, technically, magic could be more complex. But that's only if you go into a truly unlimited format where you can play four copies of every single card in the game. Not in the same deck. I mean, just there is no limitation. At that point, you can literally build a deck that is a Turing machine. Sure, but that format literally does not exist outside of kitchen table. Sure, games. So 
that's what the asterisk. Because I've seen someone actually build the deck and watched it work. It is insane. I would say personally... A deck that is a functioning computer. Ugh. I would say personally... As far as card design... Yu-Gi-Oh! is functionally oh, yeah, the definitely. most complex of the card games, especially the big three. I can't speak on games like Digimon and One Piece because I haven't really played them. But as far as Pokemon, Magic, and Yu-Gi-Oh!, I think Yu-Gi-Oh! is the most complex, oh, yeah. both on the surface and as you get deeper into it. Magic, you can have these long-winded discussions about card advantage, mm-hmm. sure. But I think Yu-Gi-Oh! You can have those exact same discussions with Yu-Gi-Oh!, not only that in Yu-Gi-Oh there's so much more to be said for deck building Mm -hmm. and for uh just I mean think about it in Magic you have a 60 card deck in Yu-Gi-Oh it can be anywhere from 40 to 60 Mm -hmm. you just that alone causes so much variance um obviously there's a card game oh uh in other words does skill matter a lot or is luck prevalent there will always be a luck factor Uh, obviously there's a card game there's inherent variance but the question is how much I would say the game is maybe 20% luck, 80% skill. Listen, man. In some formats, it goes up to 95% skill. Listen, man. When you have an out, there's a 50% chance you're going to draw on the out. Because you either do or you don't. <laughs> anyway. That's how statistics work. Sure. <laughs> a more general question is, why do you play Yu-Gi-Oh! over other card games such as Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, DBS, Digimon? Did you play other card games before settling on Yu-Gi-Oh! Or did you play other games? What are the pros and cons of Yu-Gi-Oh! versus other games? This is a very open-ended question, but I'll give a very concise response because I just realized we're way over on time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Why? Because I watched the Yu-Gi-Oh! cartoon as a kid, Mm -hmm. fell in love with it, and then once I realized... I got a little bit older, realized how Yu-Gi-Oh! actually works, and once I realized the complexity of Yu-Gi-Oh! and the... I I came to enjoy that complexity... And now I don't really enjoy... I can sit down and play Magic, but I don't enjoy Magic as much as I enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh! Because Magic feels very brain-dead to me most of the time. It's not that there's not tough decision-making, but I think that Yu-Gi-Oh! requires more analytical thinking than Magic does, and I enjoy that. Pretty much the same here. Um, However, I will say that I have, in fact, played Magic and Cardfight Vanguard. Yeah, I've played Magic and I dabbled a bit in Pokemon. I have also played Pokemon. Yeah, I have played the big three, plus I've also played Cardfight Vanguard. Very fun game, actually. I played Cardfight, but I didn't actually like play it. You know what I mean? Like I, I've sat down and been taught the rules, but that was a decade ago. I yeah, remember. yeah, I think I taught you. Our friend me. Jason did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he wanted more people to play with. Yeah. A more general question. Oh, I just read that. What sites would you recommend to brush up on strategies and decks? One thing I love in CCGs is reading a well-written article about deck strategies or videos nowadays as I know they have become popular. Are there some dedicated forums or websites? I have found a few on YouTube, but as to written content, the best I have found is TCG Player. Also, are there YouTube channels with gameplay commentary, but specifically geared towards newbies? I find it hard to follow some game commentary when one does not know all the cards, and the video is far above the play area. Okay, again, breaking this down. What sites would you recommend to brush up on strategies and decks? I would say, honestly, I know you mentioned this, but like YouTube is far and away the best. Oh, yeah. Um, but as far as reading specifically articles, 
If you go to Sebto360's Twitter page and scroll for a bit, you'll find that he has started up his own his own article website nice. separately, but it's more meta analysis than actual deck breakdowns and combo tutorials. Fair enough. As far as dedicated forums, I really think like TCG player and maybe a Yu-Gi-Oh Pro dot deck. Yeah. Y-G-O-P-R-O-D-E-C-K.com. Yu-Gi-Oh Pro deck.com. Those might be your best options. I don't know if yeah. Yugo Pro Deck has. Unfortunately, there isn't like a Pojo, like there was anymore. back in the day. Oh no, Pojo is still a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's just not as big as it was. No, it's not what it was. Yeah, yeah. And as far as gameplay commentary, specifically geared towards newbies, you can actually go onto Simo's channel and watch. He has a introduction videos for each thing. So how to fusion summon, how yeah. to synchro summon, how to Xyz, pendulum, um, link summon. He has like basic broken down definitions of how to do each of these things. And I absolutely recommend watching them getting back but into I, the game. I feel like though the person meant was more like, oh, he activated pot of greed with less than draw two cards. Oh, his opponent hit him with the ash, which make which negates the card effect, where they like kind of explain what's going on oh, when the cards okay. really start flying around, which there really isn't, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that an in-depth co discussion videos as far as commentaries of something that you see very often. Yeah. It'd be interesting to watch, though. I think the closest thing is DB Grinder. Yeah. But he kind of flies through the games sometimes. And you, there's absolutely a base level knowledge Th that, that is needed yeah. to do that, to go into that. So, yeah. what's the best way to start as a new player and acquire cards and decks? In most TCGs, the recommendation is to buy singles. Does that hold true as well? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And. While you're at it, grab three copies of the skill of the Dark World and Trap Trick Structure decks yep. and Crystal Fair, Beast if you can find it. Very good. Those three structure decks are just phenomenal. Just three bangers back to back to back. Yeah, it's ridiculous. My idea would be to have both simple decks to play with my daughters, but also more complex ones. Just do what I just said. Yep. Just Dark World is more complex. You Trap can spend the money yeah. to get an engine. Trap Tricks and Crystal Beasts are not as complex on the surface, yeah. but they... They have a lot of, like, intricacies um, beneath the hood. Yeah, as all control decks do. Yeah, but on the surface, you can... It's very easy to pick it up and very quickly figure out what you're doing. For sure. Also, are there any links between the digital and physical versions? Like, in the Pokemon TCG, it seems you can get some codes to redeem cards online when you buy boosters. Nope, nope. not a thing. Doesn't exist. Nope. To my understanding, there is not. True. Also, it seems the ban lists are different between the physical and online games. Yes, Master Duel has mm -hmm. a completely different ban list and a it, completely different format. It's, with, a, it's completely separate. It's basically a completely separate game that's just using Yu-Gi-Oh card game rules and the cards. It's a completely separate format yeah. within the same game. Uh, also, if you want to play the same format, I recommend YG Omega. Mm -hmm. Does it lead to market changes or is it still possible to train online for a physical event, for instance? It is not possible to train online for a physical event in the same, in the same vein as, like on Mastral specifically. It's not. Yeah. You absolutely can on YG Omega, YG Pro, and Dueling Book. Most of all, Dueling Book. I don't really love Dueling Book as a platform for 
going in and just playing random games because people suck. Yeah. But I do see the value in Dueling Book as a platform. Because it makes you have to do all the actions. Correct. Which is very important. So, okay. With that said, that was a good discussion, but we got to wrap this up. Yeah, we are 10 minutes over time. Yeah. A huge thank you, of course, to all of our wonderful sponsors on today's episode. So a huge thank you to ETB Games, Steel Fox Games, Millennium Threads. uh, I'm going to get there. Gem Accessories. There you go. And, of course, be sure to check out our Dragon Shield affiliate link in the description down below. And with that said, let's thank all of our wonderful patrons. So, a huge thank you to Hero Pretty Cat, Cam Yang, Dragon Maid Stunzied, Kane Martin, Zyphorus, Blackwing, Silverwing, The Ascendant is the best Floodgate, Earth Machine, best deck, Epi, has anyone actually read Toy Vendor, HGH Cyber, I am McLincoln, if all you have is a Cosmic, every problem looks like a Floodgate. It's funny to watch a Kashira player scooping after flipping a Floodgate. Monstratron, Mountain Man, Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado, Unbanned Number 95, Konami, Understanding and Reading are two different things, Virtually Savior's World, Where Flame Swordsman support Konami, Rogue and Tier 2 are the polite terms for a bad deck, Aaron Gardner, Asami, Ashless Chaps, Atsuyo, Sympathy Silver Castle, Boxwine, Cyber Dark Duelist, Duty Booty, Dragon Maidenless Behavior, Curios Purple Zero, I'm about to reek a glimmer, Tribute for Costies, Plain Nuts in Your Mouth, Cam the Hockey Walkie slash Mixer, Old Man Red, Pin Code 143, Santa Claus, and Valence Hojo Mama. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast. And with that said, have a good weekend everybody we'll see you next time take care everyone selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.